morning, everybody. Uh, happy New Year. Uh, to those who are watching, those who are here, uh, Happy New Year. A couple of announcements as we get started this morning. Uh, we jump in New Year, everything bags on our calendars back on normal schedule. We have Bible study tonight at 6 o'clock. Uh, the Better Way to Pray. Uh, that's our, our most famous, uh, most popular uh, Bible study right now. And then also we are going to be resuming our Bible study in Papuina this Saturday at 730 uh, if you're interested in any of those, please feel free to reach out or just show up. Uh, also, we have our Bible classes going on, on online uh, at lighthousediscipleship.org. And uh, feel free, uh, we invite you just to take those classes, they're free. Um, and then uh, we're also excited, uh, last Saturday of February, February 29th, it's leap year this year. So there's five Saturdays in leap year, with, I mean five Saturdays in and uh, uh, February this year. And so we're going to do a new movie night, uh, God With Us. It's the first production that Karis uh, Bible College put out, with God With Us. And so uh, go ahead and make plans to join us if you're in the area. And uh, we'd love to have you. So we'll hear more, talk more about that as we get closer to that event. Otherwise, everything's back on schedule uh, with the new year, with their excitement. We were just well, we just got back from our Andrew Womack conference in Phoenix, and it was a very powerful, awesome conference, and Andrew spoke on the fear of God, and uh, uh, just a very powerful, much-needed teaching that I'm hoping to even uh, teach on later on in this year, and I get my notes together and class together on that. So, um, well, anyway, we're going to get back into Word this morning. Uh, we're... Uh, Getting to the tail end of our, our study here, our In Christ Realities, I think we're going to have this week, and then we're also going to do one more week at least, and uh, uh, to kind of wrap this up before we go to our next series. And so, uh, I think this is part nine, so it's a little longer series than I anticipated, but here we are, In Christ Realities. So if you have your Bibles this morning, go ahead and turn with me to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and we'll start with verse 26. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning with verse 26. And I'm going to be in the New King James for the most of the study this morning. But Paul writes here, he says, For you see your calling, brethren, he's talking to the church, brethren, that you that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the fullest things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen, and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. We'll come back to that. No flesh should glory in his presence. Verse 30. But of him you are, not will be, not could be, not should be, but you are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom and from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That as it is written... He who glories, let him glory in the Lord. I want to go back to verse 30 real quick. That's my main text this morning. But of him, you are in Christ 
Jesus, who became for us, who became for you, who became for me, wisdom from God, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. A couple things here I wanted to just uh, hold them back. But of Him, but of Him, of Him you are in Christ. Of God, of, of what Jesus has accomplished in Christ Jesus, you are in Christ. You are not in Christ of your own. You are in Christ of Him. Who is, and this Christ, who you are in because of Him, is for you and for me wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. If Christ is, <clears throat> let me just say this again, it is a, <clears throat> if it is Christ who made us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption, it's not something you did. It's not something we did. Christ has become for us wisdom. We are in Christ. And Christ who we are in, and he in us, has become wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. It's not something you did. It's something he did. It's a work of his grace. And it's of Christ. And of, because of him... You are in Christ, and you have righteousness, wisdom, sanctification, and redemption. You are of Him in Christ, and we are of God in Christ, who has been made unto us these four things. That making sense so far? I mean, that's pretty well said. But let's go back real quick here to verse 26. It says, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh... Not many mighty, not many <coughs> noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that what, which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised. God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things which are. Verse 29. <coughs> Excuse me. That no flesh should glory in his presence. That no flesh should glory in his presence. God has chosen the weak thing, the despised things of this world. Why did he do that? So that verse 29, so that no flesh would glory in his presence. Sorry, let's get one extra page here. So no flesh would glory in his presence. In other words, we can't say, I did this. We can't say, I have wisdom. We can't say, I have righteousness. We can't say, I, I have sanctification or redemption in and of ourselves. But we're not in and of ourselves. We are in Christ. And so in Christ, we can say, and it's proper to say, and it's the truth to say, because we're talking about in Christ's realities, and the reality is, if you are in Christ, you have wisdom, you have righteousness, you have the sanctification, and you have redemption. We didn't do it. God did it in Christ. And we are in, of Him in Christ Jesus. That makes sense? It's, self, it's me. The scripture just teaches it itself. I'm just reiterating it. But I, uh, let me just focus on a couple different things for a moment. We've been talking about in Christ's reality. We've been talking about our identity in Christ. But the world at large, and even a lot of the church at large, I'm not picking on anybody, but we are in two, there's two major problems that I see are happening in the body of Christ, but also 
uh, obviously in the world because they're not in Christ. They're not born again. But I'm talking, he, Paul is talking to the church throughout most of his letters. And so, and what, what not, there's two major problems. One of them is that the church, a lot of the church, not everyone, I'm not wiping everyone with this brush in a sense, but we, there's an identity crisis. And there's, I'm going to deal with the second one, identity theft. There's an identity crisis. Many people are focused, and I've seen this in the church, and I know they're well-meaning in many ways, but many are focused on the psychology of their past. They're focused on, uh, they, they were born on the wrong side of the tracks. They're born on blaming their parents. They're born on blaming their upbringing. They're born on, they're, they're, they're focused on, uh, I think I even said something wrong, but I, 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 they're, they're, they're focused on it's someone else's fault. And there's no responsibility for their own fault, for their own problems. Church, we all came from sin. We all were born into sin. Not only did we commit sin, not only did we experience sin, but we were born into it. We all came from the wrong side of the tracks from that perspective. That makes sense? Okay, we all came from sin. Sin messed the whole world up. <coughs> okay? Sin made the whole world dysfunctional. Okay? So it doesn't matter where you came from. It matters who you are in Christ Jesus. We all needed a Savior. We all had, had a past that we were embarrassed of. We all, have, we all came from sin. We all came from a mess. No disrespect to our parents and our, and our family and our heritage in that regard. But we all came from sin. It all goes back to Adam. You know? But at the same point in time, even though Adam messed the world up, we've all sinned. Okay, so uh, every time you point one finger at Adam, you point, there's three more pointing right at you. Okay? But the problem is what you believe. Whatever you believe will affect your life, will affect the way you think. The Word of God will transform your life if you will believe it, and the Word of God says over 300 times of who you are in Christ Jesus. We are complete in Him. And we are, and of Him, we are in Christ who, is for, who has become for us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Does that make sense? So there's an identity that, uh, that uh, our crisis where people are focused on their old man but the Bible says we have put off the old man, and in the spirit of our mind we put on the new man who is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. We need to stop associating with the old man. We need to reckon ourselves dead to sin and alive to God. Where? In Christ Jesus. Romans 6 11. <coughs> we need to stop identifying with the, uh, with the old man. And those who have not, there's an identity crisis. On the same token, you know, some people who, when they've heard the good news, and to some, they, they, they hear it and it's too good to be true news, they have a hard time receiving it because it just sounds too good to be true. And if it's not too good to be true, it, it's not the gospel. Okay? Uh, for example, some people have an issue with healing. It just sounds too good to be true. And so they limit God and based on what they believe. And they don't receive, they don't walk in the benefits of healing. Same thing with prosperity. Some people have an issue with prosperity. 
and they limit God based on what they believe. But I, when I hear the gospel, when I hear the gospel preached, something goes off on the inside of me. Something is quickened on the inside of me. The word of God is quickened in my spirit, and I, there's something that rises up in me that says, I don't have to be sick. I don't have to be poor. I don't have to be addicted to anything. I don't have to be depressed. I don't have to be discouraged. I don't have to be without hope. I don't have to be defeated by the devil. I can believe God, and I can believe who I am in Christ Jesus. I have wisdom. I have redemption. I have righteousness. I have sanctification. I have hope. I have healing. I have prosperity. I have every good and perfect gift that comes from above. I have everything I need in Christ Jesus. Am I making sense this morning? Okay. We need to believe who we are in Christ Jesus. We are born into righteousness. We are born into health. <coughs> we are born into wealth. We are born into victory. We are born into authority. We are born into life in Christ Jesus. The moment we believe on Jesus, everything in our spirit changes. And we begin to change from the inside out, not the outside in. Go with me real quickly here to 3 John. I quoted this many times, but uh, I just want to go there this morning. 3 John, verse 2. There's only one chapter. 3 John, the third epistle of John, verse 2 says, Beloved, I pray that you may, be, may prosper in all things. You know what the word all means in the Greek? All. Okay, in all things. God wants us to prosper in all things. We're not just talking about finances. Is included, it's not excluded. But it's not just about finances. God wants you to prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Your spirit became prosperous the moment you believe on <coughs> excuse me, Jesus Christ. The moment you believe on Jesus Christ, your spirit became to get prosperous. And as you renew your mind, as you see yourself the way God sees you. It will change the picture on the inside, and that picture on the inside can change the outside. As you renew your mind, as your soul prospers, as your mind, will, and emotions begin to prosper, your body, your health, your life will begin to prosper. We need to see ourselves the way God sees us. That's huge. Am I making sense this morning? So there's an identity crisis. Uh, people are identifying with the wrong man. That we need to believe what God says about us. We need to see ourselves the way God sees us in His Word. And we're all, there's only one way we're going to see ourselves the way God sees us, and we need to look into the mirror of God's Word. That makes sense? The Word of God is the mirror. And we need to, you can't, you won't see this in the natural. You won't see this by going to a psychiatrist. You won't see this by going to other things. You're only going to see who you are in Christ Jesus as you get into the mirror of God's Word and have a relationship with God's Word. And as God says who you are in Christ Jesus, that's how you need to see yourself. That makes sense this morning. Not only is there an identity crisis, but along the same tone, there is identity theft. Satan wants to steal your identity. Satan has been trying to do that since the garden. Satan wants you to steal your identity. Satan does not want you to know who you are in Christ Jesus. Is that true? 
Satan does not want you to know who you are in Christ Jesus. Go with me real quick here to Hosea. Hosea chapter 4. Verse 6. We can't get there fast enough, I understand, but it's on the screen. It says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. It goes on to say other things, and I just don't want to focus on that right now. But the first part of the verse says, My people are destroyed by the lack of knowledge. Satan does not want you to know who you are. If you don't have the knowledge of who you are in Christ Jesus, it will destroy your life. Does that make sense? If you are not established in knowing who you are in Christ Jesus, the lack of that knowledge will destroy you in so many different ways. You will not experience the benefits of salvation. You will not experience the benefits of all that you have in Christ Jesus if you don't know it. Along the same lines, uh, Isaiah chapter 5 says this. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 13 says this. Therefore my people have gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. Their honorable men are famished and their multitudes dried up with thirst. Again, the first part of that verse I'm just focused on. That my people have gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. We need knowledge. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of Christ Jesus. Grace and you know, in the, in the um, God has given you all things that pertain to life and godliness in the knowledge of Christ. We need the knowledge of Christ. We need to grow in the knowledge of Christ. We need knowledge. We need to know what the Word God says so we can know and understand who we are in Christ Jesus. We need to identify with Christ. I want that, and I've been saying this over and over again so many different ways, but we need to see ourselves in Christ. We need to identify ourselves with Christ. When Jesus was crucified, I was crucified. When Jesus died, I died. When Jesus was made alive, I was made alive. When Jesus was raised from the dead, I was raised from the dead. When Jesus ascended, I ascended. When Jesus sat down at the right hand of God, I have been sitting together with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Whatever happened to Jesus happened to me. I'm in Christ Jesus. Church, we need to understand this. It's no longer I who I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. When he died, I died. When he was crucified, I was crucified. When he was raised, I was raised. Whatever happened to Jesus happened to me. Because I'm in Jesus, and Jesus is in me. Am I making sense? <coughs> this is, we're talking about in Christ's realities, and we need to see this. We reign with him in Christ. We have authority with him in Christ. We are completely new creations in Christ. If you don't identify with who you are, you can't have all the life that you can't have all the life, you can't have all the victory and ability and authority working and being active on the inside of you. <coughs> in other words, even though you are Hopefully I'm making sense. I just want to uh, slow down for a moment and make, make, make mention of this. If we don't know who we are, 
We can have the whole life of God, the victory, the, the same power that raised Christ from the dead. We can have all this wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption, and among other things, alive on the inside of God's ability, His life, His victory, His authority, act alive on the inside of us. But if we don't know who we are, we won't appropriate it. We won't use it. We won't walk in it. We won't see it manifested and working in our lives. If we don't identify with it, it will just be dormant. Am I making sense this morning? Go with me real quick to John chapter 8. Verse 31. Then Jesus said to these, those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will or shall make you. The truth will make you free, but you need to know it. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We need to be disciples. We need to know the truth. That's why among other things that we have envisioned for this church, we're about discipleship. We have Bible classes. We have Bible studies. We have weekly messages on Sunday mornings. My heart as a pastor is that you know the truth. I'm not the only voice out there. There's other great speakers out there. But there is a call. our purpose in this church, in this region, that God has planted us, is so to help you and help myself in that, 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 that in the same manner to know the truth and the truth can set us free. I want to be this disciple. I need to know his truth. I need to abide in him and his word. It's not just on Sundays. It's not just on Christmas and Easter. It's not just once in a while, but I need to abide in Him daily. I need to have a diet of God's Word. I need to know it. And when I know it, I need to be reminded of it. I need to know and know and know. I can't just know it from yesterday's manner. I need to know it today. And we will know the truth, and the truth will make us free. But we need to know it. We need to know, we need to get into the Word of God and in the mirror of God's Word and have a, a diet with that, have a relationship with it, so we can know the truth and the truth will set us free. You know, it's easier to get to know the truth when not all, all hell is breaking loose. It's going to be a lot harder to be established in the truth right in the middle of a crisis. We need to stand on the Word of God, but it's easier to, to build that foundation. And build a rapport with God in that, in that regard. And renewing our mind when it's not going, life's not falling apart. But even if we are going to crisis, we need to get into God's word. We need to get in his presence. We need to get in his word. We need to get into fellowship. The apostles are steadfast in the apostles' doctrine. And the fellowship, breaking the bread and the prayers. We need all four of those as part of our diet. We need to know God's word. We need, so we can walk in the victory and the life that God has for us. We must know who we are and what we have in Christ Jesus to fulfill our destiny. If you don't know who you are and what you have in Christ Jesus, you will not have the resources to fulfill your destiny. You need to know who you are. And you need to know what you have in Christ Jesus if you're going to fulfill your purpose and your destiny in His life. God has a purpose, God has a destiny 
but you have stabbed on the foundation of knowing who you are in Christ Jesus. <coughs> See, without Christ, we are foolish. We are weak. We are despised. But with Christ, we have wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. God doesn't want us to glory in our own self-righteous, our own self-piety. But he wants us to glory in his presence. In his presence. He is our wisdom. He is our righteousness. He is our sanctification and redemption. But because of that, boasting has been excluded. Because of the law of faith. We have to put faith in his grace. We can't have faith without his grace, and we can't have we can't have grace without Grace won't, won't function without faith. We need to put faith. We need to trust. We need to rely on we, uh, His grace. We need to know His grace. And we need to trust it. We need to put faith in His grace for us to see His Word work and come alive in our lives. Does that make sense? There needs to be a quickening of His Word in our hearts and lives. But there's never going to be a quickening if we don't know it. We don't have a relationship with it. We are, we are to believe God's word. We need to believe what God says, who we are and what we have in Christ Jesus among other things. And based on our belief in God's word of who he says we are and what we have in him, we need to not only believe it, but because we believe it, we need to act on it. We need to walk in it. Faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. You can't have faith in his grace if you don't. You can't have faith. The communication of your faith becomes effectual as you acknowledge every good thing that's in you in Christ Jesus. Your faith cannot be effectual until you acknowledge every good thing you have in Christ Jesus. You may have faith because you're born again. We have the fruit of the Spirit. We have the faith, the, the, the measure of faith. Paul, Paul talks about this in Galatians and in Romans. But we need to, <coughs> we need to hear the Word of God. And we need to Acknowledge every good thing that's in us so for that faith to become effectual. Everything good thing that's in us in Christ Jesus. I'm quoting from my Philemon chapter 1 verse 6 and what I, what I just said. It says, again, Philemon 1 6 says, the communication of your faith becomes effectual as you acknowledge every good thing that's in you in Christ Jesus. But when we hear the word of God, says who you are, we need to begin to identify with it. It does no good for us to hear what the Word of God says we are in Christ, but we don't change our identity. We need to change the way our perspective. We need to change our identity based on... <coughs> in other words, we need, our identity needs to be in alignment with what God says we are. It doesn't matter what others say you are. It matters what God says you are in Christ Jesus. Let God be true and every man a liar. Okay? But if God says he is our provider, then he is our provider. If God says he's our healer, then he is our healer. If God says he's our righteousness, then he is our righteousness. It does not matter what others say about you or what others say about God. It matters what God says about you and God says about himself. That make sense? 
Some of us have a misconstrued conception of who God is, and we also have a misconstrued conception of who we are. Therefore, we also have a misconstrued conception of other people. And we also have a misconstrued conception of our circumstances. But we need to know what God says about himself. We need to know what God says about who we are. Therefore, we also need to know what God says about other people. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's plural. Your brother, your sister in Christ is just as righteous as you are. You can't understand righteousness until you understand that God has made you righteous. And therefore, when we understand wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption, we can understand our circumstances in the light of, in the perception of who we are in Christ Jesus. We need to see ourselves in Christ, how God sees us in the Spirit. Go with me real quick here to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 13. <coughs> and since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believe and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore we speak. If you believe, it's going to change the way you talk. If you believe what God says about you and God says about your, himself, it will change the way you talk. I believe and therefore I spoke. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I can tell a lot of times what people are believing based on how they talk. King James says in, in Ephesians chapter 4 that we need to put off con concerning the former conversation of the old man. We need, to stop, we need to talk different. The communication of your faith becomes effectual as you acknowledge every good thing. In you in Christ Jesus. We need to talk different. If we're not talking right, we're not believing right. We need to know who we are in Christ so we change the way we talk. There's power in life and the power of your tongue. That makes sense? And we have life and we can speak to our circumstances. We can speak to our mountain. We can speak to our body. We can speak to our finances. We can speak to one another in love. I don't care how, I love prophecy, but I don't care how much you prophesy. I don't care how much you give to the knees of the poor. I don't care how much you speak in tongues. If you have not love, you have nothing. We need to change the way, we, and you can't love until you know his love. And when you know his love, it is impossible for you not to love yourself and love your neighbor. If you're not, you can't love your neighbor, you can't love even your enemies, then there's a deficiency in you knowing his love. I'm not picking on you, but I'm speaking the truth. I want to love my neighbor better. I want to love my enemies better. I know there's some things that people have done. It is hard. And in the flesh, it is impossible. But I can do all things in Christ to give me strength. Either we're living superficially, or I mean, either we're living supernaturally, or we're living superficially. This, this, Christianity is not just hard without Christ and the Holy Spirit. It is impossible. You cannot live this Christian life without knowing who you are in Christ, without having a relationship with the Word, without the, the Holy Spirit. You cannot live this life in the way you should. 
And if you're living it by yourself, on your own strength, then you need to repent, change your mind, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind so you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That make sense? We need to know who we are in Christ Jesus. We need to have a relationship with the Lord so we can believe the Word of God and we can talk to Him and we can speak to Him. Well, I also see this, we need to have an attitude of faith. Some of us have an attitude of other things. Some of us have an attitude of complaining. Some of us have an attitude of murmuring and complaining. Some of us have an attitude of griping about everything. Some of us have an attitude of, of talking death and talking discouraged and talking depressed and talking without hope. We need to have an attitude, a good attitude. But we can't have that attitude without being in the Word of God and having a relationship with the Word of God. Your attitude will come out in your language, the way you talk, the way you conduct yourself. We need to have an attitude adjustment. And it's going to come from within, not from without. Am I making sense this morning? Go with me real quick to Proverbs 23. I think I already quoted it, but let's go to it. Proverbs 23. And we'll go to verse 7. Proverbs says this, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. How are you thinking? How are you thinking about the things you're going through right now? Your circumstances? Your health? Your finances? Your relationships? Your marriage? Your family? As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. As we begin to, I believe, to, as we begin to change how we see ourselves, it will change how we talk. It will change how we live. It will change our attitudes. And in, in turn, it will also change how other people see us. That might be a little deep. Sometimes even if we're living right, doing right, people still look at us. They're ugly. <laughs> but we need to start living. We need to start thinking right ourselves. Now, making sense. We need to change the way we think about ourselves. Let me just say this. We're, you know, we're talking about who we are in Christ. We are reborn, not just repaired. I want that, I want that to sink in for a moment. We're reborn, we're not repaired. God didn't just take something that's broken and fix it. We are a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. We are brand new. We are a whole new, entire new creation. When we... When we received Jesus Christ, we became born again. We became reborn. We became regenerated, regenerated. We are a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. And as we acknowledge everything that we are in Christ Jesus, the communication of our faith will become effectual. You're brand new. You're not who you used to be. And so you need to stop identifying. You're not just a sinner that's just repaired. You are, you are not a sinner. You were in sin, but now you are in Christ. You are a brand new creation. So stop identifying with the old man. And get an attitude of faith that's based on who you are. The new man is created according to God in Christ Jesus. Get an attitude. 
Christianity is not a self-help program. We are made new in Christ Jesus. Christ has been made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. We are brand new. It's not a self-help program. Christ has become unto us. Christ did it. We didn't do it. He did it. It's not a self-help program. Yes, there's a response that we have to do, and there's a participation we have to do, but uh, it starts with our first identifying who we are. It starts, it starts with a new seed, a new revelation. We are a new creation. We're not repaired, and it's not a self-help program. We didn't do it, but we need to put faith in His Word. But God says we are, we have wisdom, and we have righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption, and right? That's what we have. That's who we are. And we need to have an attitude about it. We need to change our minds. We need to renew our minds to who we are in Christ Jesus. We have been made righteous. <clears throat> we were created in true righteousness and holiness, Ephesians 4.24. We were created in Christ that way. It's not something you repaired on your own. It's not something you did on your own. You, were, you have become in Him. You have, been, you have been made new. You have been created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. True holiness comes from the inside out. Not the outside in. We are born again, not a corruptible seed, but an incorruptible seed. There is no corruption in your seed by which you are born in Christ. You have been redeemed. We have been regenerated into Christ. Am I making sense this morning? Go, go with me to Colossians chapter 1. Verse 22. point here, but in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. God has made you above reproach in his sight. You know, when we talk about repentance, repentance means to change our minds. And it's not just stopping sinning. It's not just refraining our sinning. It's not just turning from sin. It's turning to Jesus. You can turn from sin and not turn to Jesus, and to me, that's not true repentance. If you turn to Jesus, you will turn from sin. You can't be in Christ and in sin at the same time. They're not compatible. You are in Christ. So we need to change. And the word repent, metatonia, means to change your mind. Yes, it means to change your behavior. Yes, it means to turn. But we're turning to something, not necessarily from something. Yes, in turning to Jesus, we are turning from sin. But turning from sin is not so much the goal. Turning to Jesus is. That make sense? And by turning to Jesus, you are turning from sin. You can't, you can't, it's not a self-help program. You can't repair yourself. You can't keep your emotions and your, and your lust of the flesh under, and your own strength under control. You need Jesus! And if you focus on Jesus... You will not be addicted to other things. You will not have the wrong mind. You, you, <coughs> you have become wise. You have become righteous, sanctified, even in your mind, in your heart. And you've been redeemed in Jesus. Jesus is your Savior. Jesus is your life. You were crucified with Christ. And everything you do is not, it's based on Jesus in you. You need to renew your mind and, 
and who you are in Jesus. You need to turn to Jesus. And by turning to Jesus, you are turning from sin. You're not living that life. That's not who you are anymore. You are in Jesus. That is who you are. Am I making sense? The focus, the energy is focusing on Jesus. And you keep your focus on Jesus, you don't have time with all that junk. We talked about this uh, last week. Uh, that's not who we are. We went through the, the book of Ephesians. There's some things that G Paul was talking to the Ephesian church in Ephesus. Is stop living like who you were. Live like who you are. And get an attitude about it. I hope I'm making sense this morning. Go with me to Romans chapter 4. Verse 9. It's talking about Abraham here in context. We'll pick up verse 9. It says, Does this blessedness that then come upon the, some, the circumcised only or upon the uncircumcised also? But we say that faith was accounted to Abraham for righteousness. How then was it accounted? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Not while circumcised, but uncircumcised. And he received the sign of circumcision and a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had while still uncircumcised, that he might be the father of those who believe, that though they are uncircumcised, that righteousness might be imputed to them also. There's a lot in here, and I'm not gonna, I don't have time to go through all this, but, you know, so many Jews and so many religious people thought it was based on circumcision that they were declared righteous. It's not based on Abraham's performance that he was declared righteous. He was declared righteous by his faith in God's word. We are declared righteous. We are sanctified by receiving Jesus. And it says, if you read it in the American Standard Version, where it says, it's talking about that righteousness is imputed to those who believe, uh, the American Standard Bible says it this way, that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. I like that. That faith was reckoned to, to Abraham. In other words, when I'm trying to make a point here, and hopefully you're following with me, that Abraham was reckoned righteous when he was, even when he was uncircumcised. Even when he was uncircumcised, he was reckoned righteousness by his faith in God's grace and his word. We, in other words, my point I'm trying to make again is that we need to reckon ourselves dead to sin and alive to God. We need to reckon ourselves uh, the way God sees us in Jesus Christ. When we put faith in His Word, faith in His grace, we need to reckon ourselves the way God sees us. Am I making sense with that? I don't know if that was a little choppy or not. But we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We need to. We need to renew our mind. We need to reckon ourselves and see ourselves the way God sees us. Abraham did. Abraham saw himself the way God sees him. Saw him despite what he had done or hadn't done yet. It was based on what God said, not what man says. Amen? Go with me uh, to Ephesians chapter 1. I know it's kind of going all over the place, but I have a bunch of little thoughts this morning. I'm just trying to point out some of them are a little bit repetitive. Ephesians chapter 1, beginning verse 1 and 2. It says, And Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful 
in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a lot here and I can continue reading, but we are saints in Christ Jesus. I don't care what life you have lived, we are saints in Christ Jesus. We are sanctified, but we are saints. That's, now some people that just a little, little deeper. Um, I hope we're making sense. I feel like I'm losing my train of thought here. But, um, I just want to go off on this for a moment. I can spend more time on this. But, jump in for me real quick to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians 6, we'll read the first couple of verses here. It says, Brethren, so he's talking to the church. He's not talking to the world. He's talking, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit, in a spirit out of what? Gentleness. Considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Keep your finger in there, but also go with me to uh, Romans chapter 15. In Romans 15, and I uh, kind of look at verse 1, but I want to toggle real quick to the King James here. In Romans chapter 15, verse 1 says, We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. I, I don't want this to become its own teaching in itself, and I, I, I can teach this forever. But when we know who we are in Christ, and we are who are spiritual, who, we, who are strong, and as, we, we, as Galatians talks about, uh, we who. Uh, we need to consider ourselves as we also be tempted. We need to bear one another's burdens. We who are spiritual, we need to restore. That word restore means to mend. Here's my point. <clears throat> when someone is at fault, and how many of you know that we all will fail one another? We all can't, we all sin. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all messed up. That doesn't make it right. That doesn't make it okay. But when someone is found in a fault, when someone has failed you, when someone is in the fall, we who are strong in the spirit of gentleness are to restore one another. How many of you, when you've fallen, want to be restored in the spirit of gentleness? Okay? Did God not restore us with mercy and grace in the spirit of gentleness? Did God not restore the woman caught in adultery? Yes, he told her, go and sin no more. Yes, the instruction is stop sinning. Yes, the instruction, it, grace will teach us to deny ungodliness. So I'm not getting, I'm not okay, I'm not winking at sin. Jesus crucified, but sin is still deadly. Sin is still, will still cost you. It will still cost you more than you want to pay. It will take you further than you want to go. It will destroy. It will be like a cancer. The wages of sin is still death. And if you sow to the flesh of corruption, you will reap of the flesh, reap corruption. Even if you are in Christ Jesus. Okay? But we who are spiritual, our responsibility is to restore one another 
sweet, and I, and I, I, I spend a lot of time on that, but I really want to, in the last part of verse 1 here, we need to consider ourselves as we also be tempted. Don't think that just because your brother or sister fell, you can't be tempted to. That's foolishness. That's the wrong way of being thinking. We who are strong ought to bear with the infirmities of the weak, it said in Romans 15, 1. See, the Word of God is not a club where we beat one another up. But we, must, we who must be born again, we, we must be established in our Father's love. And when we know His love, we can then love one another. John talks about this in 1 John chapters 3 and 4. We need to behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we might know that we are the children of God. And it goes on to say, when Christ is revealed, verse 2, in 1 John 3, it says, when Christ is revealed, we will be like him, because we'll see him like he is. In chapter 4, verse 7, he says, we need to love one another. Because we are born of God. We're saints. We're born of God. Yes, we've been sanctified. Yes, we've been redeemed. But we haven't been redeemed so we can judge one another. We've been redeemed so we can help one another. So we can show one another mercy. Anyway, there's a lot I can go on here, off here, but I just want to focus on something here real quick here. Love will cover a multitude of sins. Love, it, it, it does wonders in somebody. The reason you and I are born again today is because we heard and we have believed God's love for us. Yes, in Him we have wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption. But we who are then born again, we who are spiritual, we whom God has set us free by His love, we need to be loving to one another so they can be set free. You can't change them, but God's love can. And if you don't show them love, you might be hindering the process of His love coming to them to change their heart and change their life and change their ways. And so that they can repent and be healed from whatever they are doing. Love. Our job is to love. Our job is to receive His love so we can love one another. If we don't know who we are in Christ, we will not love one another like we should. And therefore, instead of helping people, we will be hindering them. I could teach us a long time, but it says that God gives apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, etc., so we can equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That the, the work of the ministry is that the church will edify itself. It goes on to say in that same passage in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16, so that we would, as a church, would edify ourselves in love. Our church, as a church, the job of the church, the job of the body of Christ, among other things, is that we would edify ourselves in love. For we're in Christ. We're His body. And our body is to edify itself. Our body is designed by God to heal itself. So therefore the body of Christ is designed to heal itself. Am I making sense? The body, God designed our natural bodies to heal itself. So therefore in a sense our spiritual bodies are to heal itself. As we are establishing his love as the body of Christ. Loving one another. Love, love comes from motives. I've seen people who backbiting, murmuring, complaining, and slander, and how destructive that is. But I've also seen people forgive and love one another. And you can see all the years and all the, all the turmoil just melt 
it's a beautiful thing when forgiveness and loving one another and encouraging one another and, and whatnot. I love it when the body of Christ is merciful to one another. But we need to know who we are in Christ if we're going to operate that way. That makes sense? Peter Colossians 1.13 He has delivered us from the power of darkness, and he has conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love. We're not in the kingdom of darkness anymore. We are not destroying one another, ourselves and one another anymore. We are not in the kingdom of darkness. We have been conveyed into the kingdom of his love. The kingdom of the Son who is the Son of his love. That's deep. You have to chew on that for a while. But hopefully, I'm, am I making sense this morning? I feel like I'm, uh, I'm going on a look. Uh, I feel like in some ways I'm shooting a scattergun this morning. But uh, it's, all, it's all connected if you see it. But we need to be established in who we are. We are in the kingdom of God. We are kings and priests. We are saints. We are of his kingdom. And it's not just you. If you think life evolves around you, you have not been established in who you are in Christ. We are a body. And we edify one another. We love one another. We restore one another. Does that make sense? Among other things, but that's one thing that we, we do. The church should be a safe place. Not a place that we're afraid of. Let me just say this. Without Christ, we were sinners. Without Christ, we were children of wrath. Without Christ, we were strangers to God. Without Christ, we were without God. Without Christ, we were cursed. Without Christ, we were dead. Without Christ, we were slaves. Without Christ, we were defeated. Without Christ, we were unloving. Without Christ, we were condemned. Without Christ, we were lost. Without Christ, we were far off. Without Christ, we were doubters. Without Christ, we were castaways. Without Christ, we were persecutors. We were Ishmaels. Without Christ, we were Paul. Without Christ, we were terrorized. Without Christ, we were sick. Without Christ, we were poor. But we are in Christ. And because we are in Christ, we are saints. We are sons of his love. We are citizens of heaven. We are in Christ. We are blessed. We are alive. We are loving. We are forgiving. We are victorious. We have hope. We, have a, we are accepted. We have, are saved. We are made near. We are believers. We are included. We are accepted. We are peacemakers. We are rich. We are whole. We are healed. We are justified. We are in Christ Jesus. In every area of your life, every area of your emotions, everything you're going through, and every aspect of your life is affected by knowing who you are in Christ. And when, in an area where you are not establishing who you are in Christ, it will affect that area. That area will be insufficient, if not worse. Am I making sense? We need to know who we are in Christ. Go with me real quick here to Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 12. 
says, Paul says, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. There's a lie in here, but Paul saying, without Christ we were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. We were strangers from the, the covenants of promise. I'm going to come back to that. And we were without hope and without God in this world. Without Christ, we don't even have God. We have no hope. We are aliens. But it also says here, among everything else I just mentioned, that we are strangers. Without Christ, we are strangers from the covenant of promise. Without Christ, we are strangers from the covenant of promise. We have a covenant relationship with God. All the promises of God are what? Yes in Him. Amen in Him. To the glory of God by us. It says in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 20. Can I go there real quick? 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 20. Second Corinthians chapter one verse twenty says, "For all the promises of God in Him, in Christ, are yes, and in Him, Christ, Amen." To the glory of God through this, all the promises of God are already yes; they're already Amen in Christ. But without Christ, sorry, trying to go back to where it was. Let's go, let's go back to where it was. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. Okay. All the promises of God are yes and amen. But without Christ, we are strangers from the covenants of promise. But if we are in Christ and we know who we are in Christ and we know the realities of who we are in Christ, we can operate full functional in the covenants of his promise. We're not strangers. And actually, Paul says this in the Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, it says, For our citizenship is where? In heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise then to the dead Jesus coming again, and we're going to be with him for all eternity. But even now, our citizenship is in heaven. And we are not strangers of the covenant of promise, among other things Paul says there in Ephesians, but we are citizens. We are children of God. We are kings and priests. We have been redeemed. We are friends of God. We are citizens in heaven. We were without Christ in sin, and then we became Christed, if I can put it that way. 
We were without Christ. We were in sin. But then we became Christed. I know that's not proper English, but you get my point. But now I am in Christ. We are in Christ. And we receive every good thing because God is not looking at us. He's looking at Jesus. God is looking at Jesus because we are in him. He is in us, but we are in him. God's not looking at us. We died and we are in him. And we have every good thing that we need. Luke wrote it this way, Paul quotes in Acts chapter 17, verse 28, says, For in him, Christ, we live and move and have our being, as also some of your own poets have said, but we are also his offspring. We live and move and we have our being in Christ Jesus. <coughs> in other words, I receive it because of what God has done for us. I have seen it because of who Christ is. And I, I receive it because Jesus has made it to us. Wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. I need to see myself the way God sees me. I need to see others the way God sees me. If I don't see myself the way God sees me, I am not going to see others the way God sees them. That make sense? So if I see someone mistreating someone else, I also know they're treating someone else because they do not have a revelation of God. They need to be healed. They need to be set free. So they can to turn and love their neighbor as themselves. Am I making sense this morning? Let's go over here real quick. Second Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Can wrap this up in just a moment? Now thanks be to our God who always leads us in triumph and where? Christ. Right, I'm going to read that again. Now thanks be to God who sometimes leads us into triumph. Who oftentimes. Who once in a while. No. I thanks be to God who always. Always. Say always. Always. Leads us in triumph in Christ Jesus. And through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. How many of you want other people to have a knowledge of God? He leads us into triumph. And through who? Through us. Diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. We should be diffusing the knowledge of God in every place we are. Because where? Because of what we are in Christ Jesus. And we always triumph in victory in Christ Jesus. That's huge. If you get a revelation of what we just read, that is profound. That is huge. You in Christ will always triumph. And wherever you are, because of that victory you have in Christ Jesus, you can diffuse the fragrance of the knowledge of God. Wherever you are, in your home, in your workplace, in, your, in the hospital, wherever you may find yourself to be, you can diffuse the fragrance of the knowledge of God because of who you are in Christ Jesus. Go over me real quick. Now we have a few minutes. But Romans chapter 8. 
there's this, there's one. There is now no condemnation for those who were, are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. There is no condemnation. There is no never, the way it says in the Greek. There is no never any condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now I know there's some of your scholars who are out there that there's been a debate about this last part that I have highlighted in purple, as you can see it. Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. In the original Greek, you won't find that phrase in the Greek. Uh, New Testament wise here, I don't know. But even if even if that's true, and even if that's the way you think and whatnot, uh, uh, it's repeated in verse 5. But those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things that are in the flesh, but those who live according to the according to the spirit and the things in the spirit. It's, it's, it's actually uh, actually no, it's verse four here, sorry, excuse, excuse me. That the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to that what flesh, but according to the spirit. I want to spend just a little bit of time on this last part that a lot of people diffuse, and I can spend more time on the first part, but there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. With this phrase here, and it's repeated twice in the translation, even though it's not in the original in verse 1, it's still in verse 4. Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now, a couple things here. Uh, first of all, many have tried to make a law of this phrase. Who do not walk according to the, the, the flesh, but according to the Spirit. I believe there's two different kinds of walking in the flesh. There's a worldly walk in the flesh, and those things are obvious. It says in Galatians, uh, actually, let's turn there real quick. Hopefully I don't make a mistake as I did a minute ago. When Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 says it this way, that the works of the flesh are evident, are they're obvious, which are adultery, fortification, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contention, jealousy, doubtfulness of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, rivalries, and, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I, I also told you in time past, for those who classes of saints will not inherit the kingdom of God. The, 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 work, the, 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 the works of the flesh are obvious. But we're talking about here in context, who do not walk according to the flesh. We don't walk according to the flesh. Why? We're not in the flesh. We're in the spirit. Okay? But, uh, you know, in other words, let me just say this. We are not following these things. This, these are not our goal. We have turned around. We have now, we're now following Jesus. We're not following these things. How many of you know, that, how many of you can agree, according to your life, you're not following these things. This is not your goal. We're not after the flesh. We're after Jesus. We're walking according to Jesus. But there's also a second walking to the flesh that sometimes we don't focus on. Uh, those are obvious, but the other one is what I call a religious walking of the flesh. Where the focus is on, on trusting yourself. Trusting what you do. Trusting your righteousness. Trusting your holiness. You are holy and you are, you are righteous in Christ. Yes, that's what we've been talking about. But our focus is not on ourselves. Our focus is not on our good deeds. Our focus is not on our performance. Our focus is not on our righteousness. Our focus is on who we are in Jesus. Am I making sense? There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Our focus and our energy is not on the flesh. The works of the worldly flesh or our religious flesh. 
But our, our focus and our energy is on Jesus and who we are in Jesus. Our focus and our energy, because of who we are in Christ, is about glorifying God and blessing people. <clears throat> if you know who you are in Christ and your focus is on glorifying God and blessing people, you're not going to live like the devil and you're also not going to be focused on your performance. Am I making sense? We need to know who we are in Christ Jesus. Okay, let's go to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, and with this I'm going to close this morning. Ephesians 1, 5 and 6, it says this, Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. There's a lot here, and I'm running out of time this morning, but I, want, I do want to spend a little bit of time with this just for, for a couple minutes here. It says, first of all, God, let me just make a mention, God deals with us who, based on who we are in Christ. Uh, can we agree with that? God deals with us based on who we are in Christ. And because of who we are in Christ, we are predestined to, first of all, let me just make sense, we're predestined to succeed. We are predestined to the good pleasure of His will. We are predestined to be adopted as sons in His family. We have been predestined according to the good pleasure of His will, which I just said. Okay, we've been. Let me just say it this way: We have been predestined to salvation. We have not been predestined to damnation. In other words, you know, I know there's a big. Uh, there has been through the years a big controversy on this whole predestination. But you know, I, church, I, I, you never will find anywhere in Scripture where anyone has been predestined to damnation. You will never find one Scripture where it says that anyone has pre been predestined to damnation. We have been predestined to salvation in Christ Jesus. Not everyone has received that, but that has been our, we've been predestined to that. God is not willing for anyone to perish. But all will come to eternal life. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. But this phrase, to the pleasure of his will, if you were to study that out, it means God's overall, first of all, it means, means two things. First of all, God's overall will for you for salvation and being filled with the Holy baptism of the Holy Spirit. But he also means, it also speaks to the pleasure of his will, it also speaks God's specific will and destiny for your life. You have been predestined, there is a destiny for you. God has a purpose for you. God didn't make junk. God, God did not give you without a purpose. You have a purpose in your life. And you will find yourself the most fulfilled in that purpose. Okay? But it also goes on to say here, and let me toggle real quick uh, as we're closing here in the King James. to the praise of the glory of his grace wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved ignore my highlights for another message that you see on here but it says to the praise of the glory of his grace wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved this phrase wherein we are accepted in the beloved I want to just focus on that in closing he, let me just say it this way I don't have time to teach all this out right now but God sees you in your full potential in Christ. God sees you in your 
full potential as you are accepted in the beloved, which is Jesus Christ. In other words, God wants you, God has to, wants you to fix your energy. God wants you to fix your mindset, your attitude on resting in the fact that God sees you in your full potential in Christ. God wants you to come to a fixed position of rest. This phrase, wherein, if you were to study that out, it means a fixed position of rest. And God wants you to have a fixed position of rest of how God sees you in Christ Jesus. That God sees you in your full potential in Christ. Am I making sense? God accepts you in the beloved. That is your position. God sees you. You are already accepted in the beloved in Jesus Christ. You don't have to become accepted. You have been accepted. You have been predestined to be accepted. You just need to believe it and receive it. <coughs> God has saved the whole world, but not the whole world has received his salvation, has received his forgiveness, has received <coughs> Christ. Christ has died for the whole world. But the whole world has not received his love, his acceptance, his forgiveness. We need to believe it. We need to receive it. And we need to have a fixed position in our minds, in our attitudes, uh, that we, God sees us in our full predestined potential in Christ Jesus. And when we start connecting with that, when we start seeing that, when we get the revelation of that, we can do I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what. If God has predestined it, and you will connect your faith and your trust in what God has called you to be, nothing is. I don't care if all heaven and the earth needs to move. God's word, God's word is his covenant. It's a covenant of promise. And all the promises of God are yes in him, amen in him, to the glory of God, but to the Father, by us. It's already been predestined. God is not a respecter of persons. He's a respecter of his word. And if you will fix your gaze and you will park your car, your mind on being knowing that who you, who you are in Christ and you will connect with his, the good pleasure of his will. Not for just you to be saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. That's, that's the most important part. But at the same point in time, it's uh, we need to know what God's will, God's purpose for us. If God's put the desire in your heart, He is able to do. As you commit your way to Him, trusting Him, He will bring that desire to pass. As you trust Him, as you identify with who you are in Christ, and you fix your gaze and you fix your your your, your position in Christ. You can do what God has called you to do. You can do what God has called you to do. You can go what God's called you to go. You can be who God's called you to be in Christ Jesus. Amen? You know, let me just say this about acceptance. Acceptance and beloved. Where others have rejected you, God has accepted. I know it hurts. I know rejection hurts. But where others may have rejected you, God has accepted you. And then when it all, when it all matters, it doesn't matter what people think. It matters what God thinks. Okay? You are identified to do what God has called you to do. You are identified as to what God has done for you. This is good news. I want 
to live a life. I want you to be able to live a life of purpose greater than yourself. Your purpose is greater than you. Your purpose is of God. It's been predestined by God for the good pleasure of His will. this morning? Get some things out of this? Well, more likely wrap this up next week. And I kind of put the finishing touches on this series before we're going to get into some other. We're going to be talking about being established in righteousness. And more likely, if I prepare things right, uh, we're going to be talking about the fear of God after that. And I uh, had a great message from Andrew this week. And I want to get my own thoughts in order on that and whatnot. When we worship you, we magnify you. Lord, I felt like I said a lot of different things this morning. But Lord, one thing that's been resounding since we began this, Lord, that we would know who we are in you. And we'd be established. Lord, the mission of this church, the purpose of this church, is that we ever want, you would help us and enable others to become established in their identity, equipped in your word, and empowered to fulfill their destiny. Lord, as we enter into a new year, as we enter into a new decade, thank you for teaching us all fresh, and some for the first time, and some to be reminded of, first of all, who we are in you, and out of that identity that we have in you, you have predestined us to the good pleasure of your word, of your will, and help us to connect with that, and identify with that that we can fulfill our God-purpose, God-given destiny in this life. And even if we've wasted time, you said in your word that you are able to restore the wasted years. You have a way to do that. And I thank you for doing that. As we enter this new year, we thank you for increase. We thank you for blessing. We thank you for vision. We thank you for purpose. In this new year, in this new decade, the best is yet to come. We thank you for that. In the name of Jesus, amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. If you can, be with us tonight at 6 o'clock with Pastor Vina on Saturday at 7 30. And if you uh, check out our Bible classes on our website. God bless you. Have a great day. Have a great week.